what we want to do now. God has been a very faithful guide to Calvary Church for about 86 years, and we're thankful that we have had an opportunity to serve him as a community. We're thankful for those who initially uh, saw the vision of Calvary Church being a church that is built upon the Word of God and has a heart and a passion for global reach of missions around the world. Those are still key elements of who we are as a church, and they will continue to be so as we move into the future. As you notice on the bulletin you received, and we just sang, in fact, light the way. We want God to light the way, and we have the lights that helps to remind us that he is the one who is the faithful God to light the way, and we want to follow his lead. And so we have had a process over this last year of discovering what God's will is and what God would seek to do in leading us in the future. And Norm Alexander, who is the new chairman of our elder board, is going to come and share with you what that uh, is going to look like. So I'm going to invite Norm. Let's welcome Norm. Come on up here. And um, I've said on numerous occasions that uh, over the 22 years that I've been here at Calvary Church, uh, each year or each maybe each term of the elders, uh, we have a chairman that has been so instrumental and so key to help us to go through whatever that season of ministry happens to be. And uh, God has not failed us again. He has brought Norm into that role, and he has done a great job even just a couple of months into it already, and thankful for his uh, giftedness, his passion, his desire, and his skill to bring us to this point and to help point us into the future as well. So Norm is going to bring the message and the vision for where we're going to go as a church. And uh, so I want to pray for Norm, and I invite you to pray with me as we pray together for God's blessing upon him as he shares with us, and that our hearts would be open and tender to all that he has for us as well. So let me pray. God, I thank you for Norm. God, I thank you for his uh, calling. I thank you, Lord, for his many, many years of faithfulness here at Calvary Church. For many years, he's been an effective and faithful servant of yours through Calvary Church. God, thank you for his willingness to serve as the chair of our elder board. God, thank you for the way that you have equipped him for this time and now even for this hour. God, I pray that your spirit would be working through him and in us, God, as we hear, as we are responsive, and that, God, you would unite us together for all that you have yet to accomplish through Calvary Church. God, we commit them to you for this time, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome, Norm. Well, thank you, Dave. Kind of wish you wouldn't have built the expectations up quite that high, but okay. <laughs> hey, I, I'm, uh, it's a privilege to be with you here. I'm glad you're here. And if you're a visitor, especially uh, welcome you here today. It's a little bit different today. Not only is it one service Sunday, but as we said, uh, I'm up here. I'm normally not up here. Normally you've got one of the pastors on our staff. They're professionals. I'm an amateur. To borrow a line from uh, Howard Hendricks, normally you'll hear one of our pastors and they're paid to be good. My goal today is to be good for nothing. <laughs> I have no idea if that works in Spanish, but hopefully, anyway. All right. Um, very glad to, to be with you today. Uh, we've got a full agenda. And uh, really going to have this morning's message in two parts. First, we're going to talk about biblical leadership. And if you pull out the uh, outline in your bulletin, you can follow along. Make sure I stay on track. If I get lost, I may just need you to give me some feedback. We're going to talk about biblical leadership, and we're going to talk about leadership at Calvary. We're going to talk about biblical leadership in terms of three keys. 
And those are timing, teachability, and trust. Timing, teachability, and trust. And then we're going to go on to talk about how that applies to leadership at Calvary, both now and in the future. Excellent. So let's start with timing. Timing, and I cheated a little bit to use the T's, but timing refers to calling, the idea that God calls a leader for a time. And by definition, that means a beginning and an end. And the important thing is, as a leader is to recognize God's timing, his calling to start, his time to end. Also, another key to biblical leadership is teachability. Yeah, I'm not even sure that's a word, but it's a way to use a T again to talk about humility. And I think it's, it's a pretty good definition because the idea is if you're humble, you don't have all the answers. You're open to being taught. Certainly be taught and learn from other people, but also to be taught by God. And the third key is trust, which speaks to relationship. Certainly a leader who has followers, those followers have to have trust in him. No one willingly follows a leader that they don't trust. But for a biblical leader, it's especially important that they have a deep trust in God and a growing trust in God. So those are our three keys. To illustrate them, we're going to talk about Moses and we're going to talk about Joshua. Now, I'm just going to do kind of a brief flyover for the time we have today. But in two weeks, Pastor Dave will be back and he'll be going in more depth. Take good notes this week. He'll be a little bit ahead of the crowd in two weeks. Here's an overview of Moses' life. The nice thing is, is God made his, nice, his life in nice 40-year increments for us. Moses spent 40 years in the palace. He spent 40 years in exile. And he spent 40 years in charge. By the way, I, I really like this screen. I've been practicing with it. And it's occurred to me that this would have been really helpful in parenting. You know, if, you, if your kids come out and said, Remember, son, I said, clean your room first, then your allowance. Well, we didn't have one of those. Oh, well. Moses spent 40 years in the palace. He spent 40 years in exile. 40 years in the palace because Pharaoh's daughter adopted him. He grew up in the palace. Then in a well-intentioned but impulsive move, he killed a man. That made him a fugitive, put him on the run. So he spent 40 years in exile. And then at the end of those 40 years, God called him to be the leader of Calvary. And that's where we'll focus. Sorry, Calvary. (laughs) I've changed the scriptures today. I was just seeing if you're paying attention. God called them to be the leader of Israel, to lead them out of captivity. So if you're good at math, 40 years in the palace, 40 years in exile, you can check me on your cell phones. That's 80 years before he led Israel. So here's our first application. If you're out there and you're 79 years old, get ready. I mean, if you're in your 70s, I hope you're getting to bed on time and eating a healthy diet because... God's plan for your life, using all that he has done in it to this point, may be just beginning for your greatest work for the kingdom. We've talked about the fact that we are 86 years old, and we're not obsessed with the past. We're just trying to acknowledge the fact that we have a heritage that's worthy of being honored. We stand on the shoulders of those that have come before us, and many of them are still here. Pause for chuckles. Okay, it was in my notes. Uh, If you don't recognize these people up here, neither do I. (laughs) My wife and I, we were engaged at the time, came to Calvary over 30 years ago. We were an engaged couple, and we came here and we were married right in Samsvik Chapel. We looked a lot like that. 
And the reason I bring this up is because it's required. You have to be hazed when you're on stage. Now, the reason I bring this up is because we didn't know what Christian marriage was. We'd never been married before, but we came here. And many of you taught us, you modeled Christian marriage for us. That generation that had gone before us could show us what it was like. Likewise, when we had kids, they're pictured on the screen. You came alongside us and told us and showed us and modeled for us how to be Christian parents. And on Sunday mornings, when our kids needed diapers changed and we left them in the nursery for those two precious hours of quiet, you watched them for us, and we appreciated that. When they were in elementary school, they all grew up here, you listened to their memory verses. When they were in middle school, well, you kept them alive is what you did, and we appreciate that. When they were in high school, you walked alongside of them, you answered their questions and helped usher them into adulthood. And so I am grateful to Calvary. I'm grateful to all of you that were a part of that. And uh, so excited to, uh, to have that heritage to pass on to the next generation. Sorry to pick on you middle schoolers. If you're in the audience here today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look around. Everybody who's older than you, they were once in middle school. Matter of fact, if you want to have some real fun, go home tonight, ask your parents, show you a picture of themselves in seventh grade. All right. Okay, but somewhere along the line, we were going to talk about Moses, because I know that because it's in my notes here. Okay. We're going to talk about the, key, the three keys of uh, leadership as it relates to Moses, and the first one is timing. So if you have your Bible with you, you can turn along with me. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. If you've got the Bible in the pew there, it happens to be page 42. And let me set this up, and then I'll show you a couple of verses on the screen. So this is at the end of that second period in Moses' life, the end of his exile. He's a shepherd in the wilderness, not much going on in his life. And this is the scene of the burning bush where he walks along, and he sees the bush that appears to be on fire, but it's not being consumed. And so it seems odd to him, so it attracts his attention. So naturally, he goes over to it. And out of that bush, he hears God speaking to him. And there's a couple of verses, but let's pick it up at verse 9. Exodus chapter 3, verses 9. This is God speaking to Moses. He says, Now behold the cry of the sons of Israel, the Israelites who were in captivity in Egypt, has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh. So that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses is minding his own business. He's shepherding his sheep. And God comes to him and says, Because people have been praying, I've heard them. I've come to send you. What follows, and if you haven't read it before, you need to read through this. It's, it's hilarious. What follows is the most, amazing, the most amazing job interview of all time. Because God said, I have given you this role. And Moses spends the rest of the conversation trying to convince him, yeah, but I'm not your guy. Uh, you know, I can't speak well. There's lots of other people that are better at this than me. Choose somebody else. And the most marvelous thing is how patient God is with him. He listens to him and patiently reminds him, Moses, I'll do what you ask. I'll help you out. But here's the thing. It's not about you. It's about me. I'm calling you and I will be with you. Moses didn't have the resume to lead the people of Israel when he was called. Nobody did. But God called him, 
And God went with him. And likewise, when the time came for the end of his ministry, God made that decision too. It's God's timing of when he comes and when he goes. We're going to skip ahead to the end of Moses' life, actually after the end of Moses' life, to Deuteronomy, almost at the end of Deuteronomy, chapter 34. And I'm going to start reading at verse 5. This is the situation that's actually after the end of Moses' life. So the writer writes in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 5. Deuteronomy 34, verse 5. I'll give you a chance to get there. The writer writes these words about Moses and about Israel. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him. He being God. God buried him in the valley, in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no man knows his burial place to this day. Although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eye was not dim, nor his vigor abated. That's an unusual way to say he was still very strong. He was healthy. So the sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. Verse 9. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. And the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. I put those last two verses here up on the screen to take a little closer look, because this is great. We've got Joshua, Joshua, we've got Moses, we've got God, and we've got the people all involved in these three verses, or these two verses, sorry. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses laid his hands on him. God imparted him with the spirit of wisdom because Moses was involved in passing it on to him. And the sons of Israel, all the people, listened to him, and did as the Lord commanded. They listened to Joshua and did as the Lord commanded. Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And we'll go a little bit, in a minute, we'll go a little bit deeper on that idea of face to face with God, this unique relationship that Moses had with God, like no one ever, no one else, an intimacy, an intimacy no one else had. But I want to see the, see the fact that not only was Moses healthy and strong, but since that time, no prophet has been like him. Why in the world, God, would you take Moses out if you didn't replace him with someone better? Well, it's not about a matter of better or worse. It's a matter of Moses was God's man for the time that he was, and Joshua was God's man for the time that was coming next. So that's timing as it applies to Moses' life. The next one is teachability. That's real easy with Moses because in Numbers 12, 3, the Bible tells us, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Again, teachability is just a word for humility. He was certainly humble because of his time in the wilderness, because of all the time that he had in in exile. But I think he was also especially humble because of that intimate relationship with God, because he knew God and he was close to him, and that gave him that humble ability. 
The third one then is trust. That Moses was a man who trusted God, who had a deep relationship with God. We've already talked about the fact that on several occasions the Bible uses this phrase that he spoke to Moses face to face. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 33 if you're following along. Turn or go in your uh, phone app to Exodus 33. And we're going to start with verse 7, but let me set it up for you. So this is a bit of a low point in the nation of Israel as they're traveling through the wilderness. They've just had the famous golden calf situation. If you're not familiar with that story, they make an idol. uh, They ignore everything that God has taught them. They make an idol that looks like a calf out of gold, and they worship it. And it's just terrible, and God punishes them for it. And it's a real low point in his relationship with Israel. And i got to imagine that Moses is feeling pretty low at this point as well. And in the first part of the chapter of 33, God basically says to Moses, Look, it's going to be okay. You can still lead these people into the promised land. But I won't go with you. I'll send somebody else. Because these people are knuckleheads, and they're going to mess up again, and I'm going to get angry, and I'm going to annihilate all of them, and it's just not going to be good for anybody. Yes, I'm paraphrasing. But that's essentially what he's communicating to Moses. So Moses is left with this dilemma of, oh my gosh, God wants me you know, to take these people into the promised land, but now he's saying he won't go with us. Well, before we get into Moses' action on this, where he tries to appeal to God and to get him to change his mind, the writer gives us a little bit of background, and, and it's really good stuff here. I'll read in, in uh, verse 7 of uh, Exodus chapter 33. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about, whenever Moses went out to the tent, that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of his tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, And the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. This cloud that they're talking about, if you're not familiar with the story, it represents the presence of God. So the idea is Moses would go out to meet with God at this tent and everybody could see it happening because they would see the cloud. And Moses would have this intimate face-to-face conversation, it says, as a man speaks to his friend. When he left that, Joshua was there. So that's the setup to give us some idea of what this relationship that God had with Moses was like. And then it gets interesting because God... Sorry, Moses, with that intimacy with God, he's processing this idea that God's not going to go with him. So he starts to appeal to him. He says, look, you have to go with us. These are your people, and I need you to go with me. How can you tell me you love me and you won't go with me? So God says, okay, okay, I'll go with you. Problem solved. The strange part about this text, if you read on, is Moses doesn't stop there. Uh, apparently he hasn't made his point yet. He, he keeps going. And he says, but God, these are your people. It's as if he hasn't listened. He hasn't heard God. These are your people. You're the only reason we're special. Without you, we'd be like every other people on the face of the earth. You have to go with us. 
So he, he asks him basically a second time. And so we'll, we'll pick it up on the, on the screen here in verse 17. So this is the second time God is, sorry, Moses has basically asked God the same question. So God says, The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken. For you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. And I've underlined it on the screen. I wish sometimes our Bibles would come with underlines. You know, I wish the scribes would, would gear us up for these key verses. Because you've got to get this. I have this dream that, you know, when, when our apps on our phones get really good, that we'll be reading parts of Scripture and there'll be background music, you know, to kind of trigger us. That this is a really important part. At this verse, then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Now, if we just read the text, it loses a little bit. But, but this idea is that Moses... The remarkable part about it is Moses already speaks to God face to face. Nobody has a more intimate relationship with God than Moses. But he says, please, please show me more. I want more of you. Show me your glory. And the only thing more amazing than Moses' question, his request, is God's response. Look how it continues on. The Lord is gracious to him and gentle. And he says, and he, this is God, and he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Moses didn't even realize that his request could be fatal. But he was willing to pursue God to the point of death. God says, I will grant your request as much as I possibly can short of killing you. I will show you who I am. And he goes on. It's a, it's a great text. You've got to go home and read it. It continues on and he describes what he's going to do to accommodate Moses' request. But here's the thing. Trust. A leader of God's people has to have a deep and trusting relationship with God or he can't be their leader. Moses had that like no one else. And yet God chose Moses to disciple Joshua, and when the time came, to pass along the mantle to him. We're not going to go too much into Joshua because we've got a full schedule today. Again, two weeks from now, Pastor Dave will be back up here again, so be prepared for that. But just a couple of things I want to say about Joshua. Joshua served under Moses. He had that experience of witnessing how Moses interacted with God, that intimate relationship. But Moses was an experienced leader. He wasn't a rookie. He led men into battle before he took over the leadership of Israel. And he was one of the 12 spies, one of the two, two of the 12 spies who came back with a good and courageous report. But he was a leader for a different season. Moses brought the people out of slavery and made them a nation to serve God. Joshua's role, Joshua's season, was to take that nation, build them into soldiers, and have them take over the land that God had promised them. All right, part one, we managed it. We talked about biblical keys of biblical leadership. Now we're going to talk about leadership at Calvary, specifically the future of leadership at Calvary. If you don't get anything else that I say this morning, just get this one slide, okay? Here's the main thing we want to say to you. We, the leaders of Calvary, specifically the board, along with Dave, have initiated a process through a year-long journey of discovery and due diligence about what God wants to do for the leadership of Calvary going forward. And now it's time for all of you to join. 
This isn't just a briefing. This is an invitation for you to join in your role in this process. In order for me to get you ready for that, I need to kind of go back and take you a little bit on this journey that we have gone on. As we have been looking towards the fact that Calvary is 86 years old and it's a wonderful heritage, how, we, how do we continue to be a thriving church into the future? One of the key things we needed to look at was what's the right leadership to go forward? What is God's call for the timing of the leaders that we have at Calvary? And so I'm going to refer to my notes because this is important information and I want to make sure that I don't leave anything out. It all started a year ago, just a little over a year ago. July of 2016, at an elder meeting, Pastor Dave shared with the elders that God had laid on his heart for almost a year or more at that point to be preparing for his successor, the next leader of Calvary Church. He'd been praying about it. He'd been uh, reflecting on it. He'd been seeking wise counsel on it. And in July of 2016, he brought the elders into that discussion. Now, if you're familiar with the bylaws of Calvary Church, and I know many of us read them every night to go to bed, (laughs) you will know that one of the key responsibilities of the Board of Elders is to recommend to the congregation the man that they believe is called to be the senior pastor of Calvary Church. We recommend, and then the members vote. No man ever becomes the senior pastor of Calvary Church until the members vote to say, yes, we believe he is God's man. God has called him. But the elder's role is to recommend that person to the congregation. So that was our job to do. But here's the thing. We entered into an unprecedented situation because for the first time in Calvary's history, we would be looking for the next senior pastor when the current senior pastor was still in the role. In every situation before, there was no one there. Either through death or some other reason, the senior pastor chair was vacant. And it was a matter of searching for someone to fill a role that was already vacant. But in this case, it was different. So, we as an elder group took this responsibility very seriously. Not burdensome. We felt God's blessing throughout. But we took it very seriously, appropriate for the weight and the magnitude of the work we had to do. One of the first things we did was we talked about affirming the things that are foundational and that are priorities and that would, uh, we would always remember and let guide us. And they are these. They're on the screen. Calvary remains first and foremost committed to the authority of Scripture to preach the complete and infallible Word of God. I'll say that again just so you make sure you know it. Calvary remains first and foremost committed to the authority of Scripture to preach the complete and infallible Word of God. That has always been true. That will always be true. We also said that Calvary's heritage is is valuable to us and to be honored. Our historical commitment to world missions, to go across cultures and countries to reach people, is a wonderful heritage. Our commitment to raise our children to disciple them from the various earliest of ages, illustrated by our announcements this morning, is a wonderful heritage. And our commitment to develop leaders from within to do the work of the ministry remains part of our DNA. Also, growth is important. A church that is not growing will die. 
And we want each of you who are members to be growing in your relationship with God more deeply, as we've talked about, to be discipled and discipling others. We also need to bring new people in. A church that is not growing will die. Pastor Dave's ministry and heritage is something we value very much, and we appreciate his wisdom to guide us in the future. Calvary's vision and approach to ministry should expand to build on what we've done to reach new generations and broader cultures for the gospel of Christ. Finally, the next leader should be someone who values our heritage, who hears God's voice for Calvary's role in building his kingdom, and has the ability to lead the church body in response to that calling of God. So let me talk to you a little bit more about the approach we took in this process. One of the first things we discussed and debated, and it was always healthy debate, but there was plenty of friendly debate, was that we did not want to just find a celebrity preacher. And by that we meant that there's sort of a human temptation to say, if you can just go find that guy, you know, who's charismatic and he's got a following and, and you bring him here, he'll just, he'll fill the seats. There's nothing wrong with that. But we just felt that that was human thinking and that wasn't what God wanted. Clearly, clearly we want a, an individual who can effectively communicate the word of God passionately and connect to people. But the idea that to just attract people, perhaps from other churches, was not going to build God's kingdom. And it wouldn't be honoring to God or to Calvary's heritage. Additionally, we realized that finding someone from the outside has, uh, has risks to it. And those are primarily that you never really know their character and their commitment. And also, it's very difficult for someone who comes from the outside to understand Calvary's heritage and what's gone before. We came to the conclusion that our first best option would be an internal candidate. We would not select someone, we would not recommend someone to you who wasn't qualified just because they were already at Calvary. But if God had called someone, if he had someone already here, that would be our first best option. So we wanted to pursue that. We certainly realized the need for wise counsel. So we sought experienced advice. We read what other churches had done, churches that were ahead of us or even had completed their process. How had they gone about it? We interviewed pastors and leaders from churches that were ahead of us. And we retained an outside advisor to provide an assessment of the church and the staff's needs, not only now but with an eye to the future, and to provide guidance for the process itself. With that input, we developed criteria to use in evaluating uh, our leader, thinking again about especially what is needed for the future. Both as an elder board and with our consultants' input, we documented our evaluation criteria that included 30 distinct items. But they can be summarized by what I've put on the screen. Spiritual maturity and moral integrity, a strong communicator doctrinally aligned with Calvary, and a leader who is able to think strategically and cast a vision that can inspire and engage the whole congregation. We considered candidates that might fit this. And we are blessed at Calvary with an abundance of gifted leaders on our staff. And we are grateful for that. 
It's a wonderful thing. And it's not only because we have gifted people here, but again, it's especially true because Pastor Dave not only cultivates and pours into those leaders, but he also creates the space for them to flourish. And so as a result, we had some wonderful options. In one sense, it made our work that much more difficult. So we considered internal candidates, and we and Pastor Dave in particular's input caused us to conclude that the best-suited internal candidate to consider was Eric Wakeling. I know you're hoping I'm done now, but I'm not. (laughs) So, first thing we did is we, we started talking to Eric in, we met, the board met with him in small groups to talk a little bit about his interest in the role. And did he feel God was calling him? And what did he feel his vision for Calvary might be if he were given the opportunity? So we all met with him in those small groups. We came back and regrouped. And again, we prayed and we discussed. And after evaluating those interactions, we asked him to enter into a formal process with us, including submitting to us his resume, his philosophy of ministry, and some assessment instruments of his leadership. So we had a sense of his style and his abilities. After reviewing and discussing these, we gave Eric a list of interview questions. Apparently trying to be overachievers, we gave him 52 interview questions, (laughs) to which he provided a 21-page written response. I only had to look up a few of the words. (laughs) We reviewed those in detail, again discussed about what we were reading, and so decided with that We would have a formal in-person interview with Eric to go deeper on the questions we had from what he had written or additional things that we wanted to cover. And after a couple of hours or more, all of us interviewing Eric, we then regrouped again one more time and talked about what we had read, what we had heard, what we heard from each other, and what God was putting on our hearts. And it was real interesting because I would say the reaction that I can summarize in that debrief was that we certainly saw in reading what Eric wrote that he he clearly has a grasp of biblical truth and obviously he's doctrinally aligned with Calvary having been here these many years. He certainly has a vision for the future of what God might do. But what also came across in those in-person interviews was his heart. Certainly his heart for the Lord but also his love for the people of Calvary and his desire to see them prosper in God's kingdom. So after more than a year in this process, with Dave contemplating with others, even a year before that, after many board meetings, many subcommittee meetings, executive session discussions both with and without Dave, after focused times of prayer and designated fasting, we reached a unanimous conclusion. We, the Board of Elders of Calvary Church, believe that God is calling Eric Wakeling as the next senior pastor of Calvary Church. We have seen in him over the years and over this period the faithfulness of committed service to our Lord and to Calvary, the heart for the heritage of Calvary, and the vision to see God's calling for its future. At our July board meeting, the elders voted unanimously to recommend Eric to the membership as the next senior pastor. Now, we expect that you have many questions. Uh, 
And that's appropriate. And we welcome those questions and concerns, and we want to have time to respond to those. We will, by all means. Let me give you a few more details. Again, no one becomes the senior pastor of Calvary Church until the membership votes and says, yes, we believe God has called him. We have done our work. We are recommending him to you, and now you need to prepare for your vote. We've scheduled that vote for Sunday, November 12th. You won't have to remember that date. We'll give it to you a bunch of times. But the next two-plus months, we invite you to enter into this process to join us with us. You will have many questions, I'm sure. We want to address those, and we will. We'll have many meetings between now and then. We'll share with that detail with you in a moment. But we're sure that one of the questions you have is, but Norm, what about Pastor Dave? I'll use his alliteration. Remember, he said he's not resigning. He's not retiring. And I will say that uh, on behalf of the Board of Elders and personally... We are so very grateful for Pastor Dave's ministry, certainly over these la- this last year as he's been integral to our process, but particularly over 22 years of leading Calvary Church. So Pastor Dave, you come on up. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. I was looking for anybody who didn't stand just in case. I need to, need to follow up with you. Listen, uh, it's been an exciting uh, uh, time, and I think that moment when I just got up here was probably the hardest time for me because uh, I don't particularly, even though I stand up here every Sunday morning, I don't particularly like the attention. Uh, but uh, it's exciting to be part of this process. I want to thank Norm and the elders. They have worked extended hours on this process. And I'll tell you, we have got a terrific elder board. Uh, This process actually started when Dave Herring was chairman, and so he was so great for me just to be able to share. We go to lunch and just share back and forth about this whole journey. Then he and I went to see the solar eclipse in Alliance, Nebraska. And so it's been a great opportunity to spend time with him. And I appreciated his wisdom and leadership as we uh, have a journey together over this last year. It was about two years ago, as Norm said, began to feel the sense that God would uh, help me think about succession. And we all have to have that conversation with ourselves and with the Lord at some season of life. And some of you have in that process, you have retired. And that was a hard decision, I'm sure, for many of us to have made. Um, We all have seasons of ministry. As Norm referenced both Moses and Joshua, it's interesting that Moses had four or three 40-year periods. I've been a senior pastor for 40 years, and uh, so it's sometimes hard to think about not doing what I've been doing for 40 years. And some of you have had that uh, role as well, where you've been in a position or a profession for many, many decades. And to think that I'm never going to do this again, this is just a hard thing to process. So for Joy and me, personally, it's a, it's a bit of a challenge to think about this. And uh, yet, even at as hard as it is, as my dad always told me, Dave, don't take, you've heard me preach this. My dad used to say to me, Dave, don't take the path of least resistance. Do the right thing. And I believe that this is the right, t- right thing in the right time. 
And so we're now phasing into that uh, new season. You have two and a half months to work through this process. And it took our, ye- our, our, our elder board a year to work through this process. So we're inviting you to be part of this. I encourage you to be part of this. We're not asking for a decision today. We're inviting you into a two-and-a-half-month process of discovery and learning and growing and understanding the direction that God has for us here at Calvary. My season of ministry, I have been called, Joy and I have been called to three churches, and every church that we've been called to, the senior pastor had been fired, and the church had split, both in Corona, Lodi, remember Lodi, and then here in Calvary. And uh, our ministry is primarily that of coming in and bringing healing and unity so the church can move together forward. I would like to believe that that is a foundation that we're going to build upon as we look into the future, that in our unity, as God works together within us as a church family, we are a family, we're a community, we work together to be able to see God do great things. I'd like for us to have a celebration at the 100th anniversary of Calvary Church that is even greater than any celebration we have had in the preceding 99 years. And so we invite you to be part of that process. And uh, in thinking through who we, we have, because as Norm said, we have so many terrific people on our staff. We're very highly collaborative as we work together each week. We meet together regularly in the, in the course of uh, days, activities. And uh, so we have a lot of terrific folks. That's why we have a teaching team that many of you who are second hour people have seen that teaching team quite a bit longer than many of us here on the first hour uh, of worshiping together. And so we see that God has raised up and blessed so many wonderful men and women who can carry on the great work here at Carvey Church. And as Norm said, I just want to remind you because I have people constantly asking me, even all the last few months, uh, people saying, Dave, I hear you're leaving. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm not leaving. You're stuck with me. And so I'm not resigned. I didn't. Thank you. You're so gracious. I love you guys, so thank you. Uh, I am not resigning. Three R's. Not resigning. Okay. I'm not retiring. I can't imagine retiring. I get tired of watching Jeopardy. Um, And I am going to realign. I'm going to find a new place of ministry here at Calvary Church. And uh, because some of you are going to have this question, I'm going to go ahead and answer it right now real quickly. Uh, I'm going to have a kind of a new position and thinking of a title right now, Pastor of Teaching and Spiritual Enrichment. I'd like to continue to have an opportunity to teach on some Sundays on the morning, as well as having something on uh, Sunday evening we've talked about. We have yet to put that together. We're sort of the Ron and Dave leadership role, uh, kind of a retro throwback to Sunday night church. And so we're going to go retro here at Calvary Church because uh, uh, I love to teach God's Word and maybe to get into some of these texts that are not always compatible and easy to teach on Sunday mornings. And uh, with Ron, the hymns and things like that would be great. And, uh, and then also along with pastor of teaching, be a spiritual enrichment. We'd love to spend time with some of our missionaries to be able to travel to be with them and also when they're home and to be able to invest in them and encourage them. They're real people too. They have real issues. They have struggles. And we'd love to be able to maybe be of some support to them along with a mentoring role of those who would like to be elders at our church someday and working with sort of the 50 to 70 age group to help uh, partner together with them in ministry and then maybe a little bit in the area of marriage and uh, premarital and things like that. So we don't know, but we're pacing 
piecing all of that together and thinking about how God can lead us and God might have other ideas that he brings to us. In any case, look forward because I want to be with you. I want to pastor in this church. I still will do funerals. I'm doing a wedding tonight. And so I'm still involved in all those basic things that happens as well. Now, why Eric? I, God put Eric on my heart. He's been here for 16 years. For the last 10 years, he and I worked together closely, and every week we would meet uh, one, two, three times to be able to talk about the ministries at Calvary Church. And over, those, over that span of time, I've been able to appreciate his heart, his mind, uh, his desire for great things at Calvary Church. He loves to preach God's Word. He's certainly knowledgeable about our doctrine. He's, uh, he's, his father was a pastor. He is a pastor. He's a pastor to many people. He has served in so many arenas of our church. He served in more areas of our church than I have. And so he has got the full landscape of what's going on. And one of the key elements that I loved about Eric and what uh, really rose to the top of my mind is because he's got this great gift that God gave to him to think strategically and with vision and to bring that strategy into people's lives, our staff and all the people who volunteered our ministry. And what we need, just like Joshua passed through the Jordan River and then began strategically to be able to occupy the land of Canaan to become the nation of Israel, we need someone who can help us to think strategically to the next phase and season of ministry here at Calvary Church. And so I see him as being one that can really help crystallize that thinking and to help bring implementation of it through our staff and through all the volunteers here at Calvary Church. So that's part of the thinking that's going on. Much more opportunity to discuss this. And so I'd like to invite Eric to come on up here and let you hear from him as well and for the work that God's going to in his life. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, I want to start just by saying, first of all, that you know, I, am, I am humbled and honored to receive this call from the elders of Calvary Church, that I take this seriously and I understand the weight of this and the responsibility. And I look forward to leading this church. And I look forward to trusting in Jesus as, as he leads this church. And I, I want to start this, this moment here, though, by saying thank you and honoring Dave and Joy Mitchell. I just said thank you so much. Now, if Dave, if Dave thinks that's all I'm going to do about it, he's wrong because we're going to say a little bit more about him, actually. I want to say some things that I do appreciate about him. Uh, I appreciate his heart for the Lord, his integrity, his commitment to his family, his love for his wife and his daughters, I appreciate that he is a theological scholar. His, his love for God's word and his attention to it, his sound doctrine and the way he has upheld that for Calvary Church. I want to follow in that example that he has set for me as I hold the authority of scripture to the highest standard. I, uh, I also just appreciate so much in Dave of his ability to just be a master of handling times of crisis. Uh, I've been able to be in the room in different seasons in the history of our church where we've had crises or we've had struggles or we've had to uh, handle situations. And we are able then to go, I'm able to be in those moments and watch the way that he has handled those moments and to learn from him. And I appreciate that in him. Also, Pastor Dave has this incredible heart for 
pastoral care and, and visiting people in their time of need. I mean, we're a big church. I mean, look around the room. There's a lot of people in here. There's no way that one person can shepherd, you know, all of, all of you as an individual. But, and so we have like lots of different people that do different things and will be, uh, be people who go and visit others. But when those people will go, Dave will already be there. And I've appreciated that about Dave, to watch the way that he has this heart, even in this big church, to be able to care for so many people. He's taught me so many lessons when I think about just lessons of what it means to be a man of God and to be a pastor. Uh, lines that, that stick out in my mind uh, are that we would do all things with a spirit of love and grace. That we might have big goals and dreams and everything that we do, that we do it with a spirit of love and grace. And we have firm convictions. And he's taught me well that I should have a firm heart, but to have soft edges in the way that we express those firm convictions as we do that with love and grace. And then finally, just the commitment, right? I mean, it even has been said of, of 22 years here at Calvary, but 40 years as a senior pastor of churches. And I think that's been a great example, you know, or, or even a reason why we have so many of our staff team and others who've been here so long, just great longevity on our team. So I am grateful to you, Dave Mitchell. Uh, but also, again, just honored and, and and humbled and excited to receive this call. And I am just thoroughly excited about what God has for Calvary Church in the future. And I, I love this church. I love this community of people. We've been here 16 years. I remember my wife playing bass in the youth ministry with a big pregnant belly with our daughter Grace, you know? And that's the sort of you know, longevity that we've had here, that uh, our family has, has been here throughout our time and just love this community. And uh, it, is, it is my pleasure to be able to pastor this church. And I believe that I am rooted in Christ in God's call, in the word of God. And I, I just, I love the history of Calvary Church and can't wait to see where God has us in the future. I want to turn to one text briefly. Uh, it, is, it is Nehemiah 8. And in Nehemiah, what we have going on is the people of Israel, and this just begins to sort of ground some of my vision, is that in, in Nehemiah, the people of Israel have been in exile, and they now are returning into the land of Israel, and they're rebuilding Jerusalem, they're rebuilding the walls and all of that. And then they find some scrolls of the Torah. And so they gather all the people together, and the people are standing, and then the word of God is read to the people, and the people begin to weep as they are impacted by by the word of God. And then Nehemiah, Ezra, and the priests, in Nehemiah 8, 9, it says, This day, they say, is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. When they heard, uh, for all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. And then he said to them, these words, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That the joy of God is your strength. That we receive from God and from his word this joy that is beyond our circumstances. And that joy then should just come out of us and be a light to the people that we engage. And that we would receive strength from God and from his joy that he provides us. And so I hope for us to be a church 
that expresses that kind of joy from God to one another, and that that we would leave this place and go out into our community and shine that light, to shine that joy into the lives of the people in our community, and that we would see many come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and then they are then invited into our family. And I want to express even more just as we go in these weeks to come of of what that looks like and how we flesh that out. But um, this, this whole thing... This is not about me. This is not about Dave. This is about Jesus. And I am going to follow Jesus. And I ask you to follow Jesus with me. You know? That we would be men and women who follow Jesus together. Amen. And so I want to just express my availability, uh, my heart. I want to, to be available. You might have questions. You might have known me over the years. You might, we might have great experiences together. We might have a bad experience together. I don't know, you know. And so I just want to express that availability. There's going to be a, a host of different formal ways to do that, these Q&As and things that you'll hear about. But I want to express the informal invitation and that I have a phone number that works and an email address that works, and I love to drink coffee. So if you want to talk about something, I just, you know, I want to invite that. I invite us to have a conversation together as well as, you know, being able to do the work that, that you are called to do before you um, place your vote on November 12th. So thank you for that. I want to say thank you to Norm and the elders again as we invite Norm uh, back on up. So please welcome him. Thank you. Come on. Thank you. I'm going to ask the uh, elders to come down and we're going to pray as a congregation for Dave and for Eric. So I'm going to have all the elders come down and lead us in that. So Dave and Eric, if you can come join us right here. Um, We'll pray for them. We'll have a time of singing. Um, During that time, the elders will be available at the prayer points if you'd like somebody to pray with you. And then we'll have just a couple more announcements to give you a little bit more information before we let you go today. You've been great. I'm looking for a f- Steve and Craig because they need microphones. Excellent. All right. I don't know about you, but my heart is overflowing with joy and gratitude this morning. This is church. I mean, look around this room. This has got to thrill the heart of God and every person in this room. So this is what he intended this to look like. This has been an incredible morning, a pivotal pivotal morning in our church, and I am so thankful to be here, as I'm sure you are as well. I get the privilege this morning of praying for Pastor Dave, who is my pastor, our pastor, has been for 22 years, and I ask you to join with me for just a few moments in a word of prayer for him and joy. Heavenly Father, I come before you with a heart of gratitude this morning. God, I first want to acknowledge you as God. As we sung this morning, You are a faithful God. You are a holy Father. You never leave us. You stand beside us. You are a faithful God. And that has been evident in the 86 years you've been here in this church. And for the past 22 that Dave has served here in this church, I thank you that you have called him to this church, that he has exhibited biblical leadership in all that he has done, Lord God, that uh, 
You uh, have given him a heart of humility, which is so evident and so transparent in him and is a model for all of us. And you've given him the ability to relate to people and to others and to invest in others as he's invested in the pastors of this church and many of our lives here of people uh, right here in this congregation and outside this congregation, God. I thank you for him. Thank you for his faithfulness to you, to your word, for Joy standing alongside him during these 22 years and being faithful to Dave, their marriage, their family. God, it has been an example to each and every one of us. I pray, God, that you'd continue to keep your hand on them as they move forward. I thank you that he will remain a pastor here in this church and be available to all of us and can continue to invest in the lives of these new leaders and us as well, Lord. I would just ask each one of us today as we leave here this morning, as we've been charged to do by Norm, that God, we would go home this week and they would bring these things to you. We would spend time in your word and in prayer and reflect on the scriptures and what you'd have to say to each one of us and the part we can play in this. God, you want this church to remain unified and to be an example to the community. And Lord, that is evident here today. And I am just encouraged by what is going to happen in the years to come. And I want to give you the thanks and praise in advance for what you've done and what you are going to do. In Jesus' powerful name, I pray. Amen. And God, I agree with Steve in his prayer. And uh, God, on this really epic and historic Sunday morning, we rejoice in you being in, in our midst and the way you're leading us. And so as we honor Dave and, and, and recognize his uh, heritage of service, we also recognize the call of God that you have on, on Eric and on his life. And God thanks that he, he senses that and he feels that weight, and properly so. And so, God, would you just continue to have that weight, which is really your hand upon him, as you guide him through this process, as we all continue on this journey that the elders have, have begun. Uh, God, we pray that that would be true in each of our lives, that we would be committed to finding your will for Calvary Church as we pray together as we talk with one another, as we consider the future. Uh, God, would you give us the unity of the Spirit, and would you guide and direct our thoughts and our prayers and our decisions? Um, God, we, we greatly desire that you would be honored by this process and that you would lead us into the days ahead. We want our church to be unified, and so we ask that everything that we do would be done in the name of the Lord Jesus and would be done in, in the spirit of love and grace as you guide us into the, 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 the vision that you have for us of reaching our community, community and our world even more effect, effectively with the power of the gospel. So, God, would you do that in our lives individually and collectively as a family? And would we be committed to following your leadership? We've said it many times, uh, and we say it because we mean it, that Jesus Christ is the, is the senior pastor of this church, and would that be true now more than ever? Uh, we, we do that now, God, uh, by uh, praying all of this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite maybe 